White people got caught with their hands in the cookie jar. Turns out they all are inherently evil. Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Putting things into perspective. Making excuses for white supremacist murderers. Well, so uh, I believe 18-year-old white man streamed a video of him taking a rifle into a black neighborhood and killing 10 people at a supermarket. And it looks like he was trying to imitate, or hell, he did imitate, the Christchurch shooting. If you remember that one, I'm not sure. It's probably four years ago, roughly. Um, Christchurch, New Zealand, place in a foreign land. And there, a white guy took a rifle. I mean, he killed people in a few different places, but mostly he took a rifle into a mosque, killed a bunch of, um, killed, you know, killed the Muslims who were there that day at the mosque, and he streamed it all on, he streamed it on Facebook, this guy streamed his thing on Twitch, but whatever. Anyway, similarities. And I guess they both had a manifesto uh, saying something about, whatever, white people are being replaced in their white countries by non-white people. And I guess as a reminder, um, the last couple so-called white supremacist shootings um, in 2019 in El Paso, uh, some guy went to a Walmart and killed Hispanics. I think he killed like 23 of them. And I don't know, I don't know his name, but uh, and then 2015, Dylan Roof, uh, he went into a black church and I think he killed don't quote me, but maybe nine churchgoers, black churchgoers. And again, don't quote me. I think he might have even gone into the church and like talked to the people and everyone was nice to him and he was nice to them. Then he went outside, got his guns and did it. And, you know, I think, you know, depending, you know, this, this is personal preference if you care about the fact that they're crazy at all. But I think all three of those people also turn out to be crazy people as well as white supremacy. Sounds like the El Paso guy had schizophrenia. And the Dylan Roof case, I'm not sure, but you could just, you could see by his bowl cut and just the stories about him, he had some sort of screw loose. I mean, obviously you have a screw loose to go kill a bunch of people, but you know, do you have a medical diagnosis is the question. I'm not sure on him. He had something wrong with him. And then this most recent guy in Buffalo, uh, New York, is where it happened, if I didn't say that. Uh, I guess last year he... He was going to shoot up his school, his high school. I mean, he's young. He's probably just barely out of high school now. Or who knows what. Because the pandemic, he hasn't, been, he, hasn't, he hasn't been inside the high school for a while. But anyways, he was looking for something to shoot up. Originally, it was going to be his high school. I don't know if that was because it was a mostly black high school or not. Or it could be he was just, he was looking for something to shoot up. And he was looking for a reason to, whatever. He was looking for a reason to do that shooting that he already decided he wanted to do. And so he chose black people. It's, I don't know. Well, I guess he was talking about there's this thing called the Great Replacement Theory, or the Great Replacement. I don't know if it has the word theory on the end. And I don't think that's black people. Black people have been here longer than my ancestors. Um, I mean, you know, blacks and whites replaced the Native Americans. And if anyone's doing any replacing today, it ain't blacks. Anyways, so I was listening to NPR this morning. Um, I thought I'd play a clip of them and kind of respond to some of the things they say. And maybe I'll just give some general stats after that. Odette, 
In the spirit of trying to understand something in order to fight it, can you give us an overview of this false theory? Well, it's called the Great Replacement Conspiracy Theory, uh, and it facelessly claims that a cabal of powerful elites are systematically replacing white people in America with people of color. Now, the term Great Replacement was coined around 2012, but this conspiracy theory has existed within the organized white supremacist movement for many decades. They've long claimed, Rachel, that elites are bringing in immigrants and also promoting interracial marriage to dilute the white population. It has its roots in anti-Semitism, right? It does. You know, the organized white supremacist movement at its core revolves around a conspiratorial belief that Jews control the media, they control Hollywood, uh, they control the banking system, that they wield outsized influence in politics. But it was clear that this conspiracy theory was bleeding out of KKK and neo-Nazi circles in 2017, when you'll recall, we saw footage of mostly young white men in polo shirts and khakis marching on the University of Virginia campus in Charlottesville, uh, chanting, you will not replace us or Jews will not replace us. This used to be the stuff, Odette, of the far right fringe, but it's just not the case anymore. I mean, it's become so much more mainstream. It has. And in fact, Rachel, a recent poll finds that now one in three American adults believes in replacement theory. Matthew Gertz of Media Matters has been following this conspiracy for years. He says initially it was only on fringe neo-Nazi websites. And then they found their champion. Uh, it was Tucker Carlson who started talking about the same conspiracy theories night after night. Other hosts at Fox News started doing it, too, and then Republican politicians. And now here we are. It's, it's a mainstream Republican talking point. Now, Fox News declined to comment when I reached out to them about this. But it's worth noting that earlier in Carlson's time at Fox, um, the language was crafted more around political theory than race. So he wasn't saying Jews were replacing white people. Instead, he was advancing a baseless theory of voter replacement, this conspiracy that claims that Democrats are replacing so-called native-born Americans with immigrant voters. But Gertz says you don't have to look too closely to read between the lines there. You know, Carlson focuses more on immigrants from Central America than those from Scandinavia. So I like to talk about how Black Lives Matter is a conspiracy theory. But, I, you know, and the, but then I like to add it's also a false conspiracy theory. The idea that cops are hunting black men, you can just look at the stats, unarmed black men in particular, and see that that is false. So NPR is like, this thing is a conspiracy theory, and they're saying that it's a false conspiracy theory. So is it? You know, so is a secret, shadowy group of powerful people trying to replace whites in America with black and brown immigrants? The answer to that is no. That's, that is false. But if you put it another way and say... Have rich and powerful people in general just been trying to bring in as many immigrants as they can to take away the current Americans' workers' power and cut their wages, you know, with basically cheaper, that, you know, are rich people bringing in cheaper workers to undercut the wages of American workers? The answer to that is yes. And is it to undercut the white people's wages? Uh, I mean, in particular... I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Basically, there was no intention other than making money. It's just rich people wanted to make more money. There was no racism involved. But the end result of it, what really happened was they brought in low-wage Hispanic workers, 
and they replaced all the black men who were workers. So I mean, that's who got replaced. And you know, I don't, I don't go on neo-Nazi websites, so I don't, I don't know what they're saying there, but whatever. They're probably not saying it quite like that, or maybe they are. I don't know. So you know, it depends on. A, basically, if you take out the word racist, then all of a sudden their false conspiracy theory becomes just what happens, just what's going on in Western democracies. Or, you know, modern as you know, as we. Whatever, as we outsource jobs, as we bring in immigrants to do jobs, etc. It's just a general description of what's going on economically in the world. And I think the other, the next thing they say is they say that you know Jews are control in control of whatever. They're in positions of power all across America, and that's a false conspiracy theory. I've said it before. I said this a while back, and I, I wish I would have said more. But basically, Jews are my favorite kind of person, and I'm not joking. That's just you know, whatever. I don't have I don't have a most hated or disliked kind of person, but I do have a few that I like more than the average, and I think Jews are pretty awesome. So like there's this thing, it's called smart fraction theory, and it's considered racist, but I think it's true. And so let me explain it using a Nigerian doctor as an example, and then we'll relate it to Jews. But basically like America and the United Kingdom they get a lot of doctors from Nigeria. Obviously, you know, black people, black doctors. And it's because, you know, Nigeria is a huge country, so they've got, whatever, any country as big as them is going to have some very, very smart people in that country. And then those people go become doctors. And unfortunately for Nigeria and Nigerians and the world really as a whole, although not the doctor themselves, you know, they become a doctor, they move to Manhattan, and they make a half million dollars a year, and they're like, sweet. But what that does is it really robs Nigeria of something that they need. Because it's not like, oh, Nigeria lost one doctor. Well, you know, there you go. There's, there, there was one good worker that you lost. They were a really, really good worker. You know, they were a doctor. It's better than a ditch digger. But you lost one good worker, not that big a deal. No, when they lose those doctors, they lose, they lose so much. Like, think of opening a clinic. Like, in America, I don't, know, I don't know what it's like in Nigeria, but in America, you basically need a doctor to sign on to have a clinic. You can't open a clinic without a doctor. Just like you can't open, like, a dentist office without a dentist. Like, a, denti- you can't just, uh, a dental hygienist cannot just go and open her own dental hygienist office and just, just do teeth cleaning and, you know, be an entrepreneur. No, there's rules that mean you have to have a dentist over- overseeing the thing, you know, credentials. So that's the same thing with clinics. You know, you may have your office staff and your whatever overpaid people in the office, but you still got to have a doctor signing pieces of paperwork somewhere in the process. So that Nigerian doctor, let's call him a he, just to be sexist, I guess, uh, he could have opened a clinic in Nigeria. And now doctors are expensive, right? So, you know, you know, you've been to the doctor, right? You get to talk to him about 15 minutes. And then they're gone because they got to move on to the next patient. And so for every doctor that they let you see for a little while, you got to have maybe four nurses, right? If something's going to take longer, if they're going to draw blood or check your blood pressure, maybe you get four nurses. Or actually, they're too expensive. So then you get, I don't know what, dedicated nursing assistants. And then it's important that the hospital be clean. So you got to hire a janitor, you know. So, like, basically, for every Nigerian doctor who opens a clinic, you know, now he's created three jobs for janitors, four jobs for nurses, you know, probably seven jobs for people in the office. 
you know now where are those people going to eat lunch you know so now so now the you know the restaurant down the street has a bunch of people who go there to eat lunch every day because they work at the hospital so now is now you've created like two uh two jobs at restaurant workers and then you know did did did, did, did does the doctor take over the clinic does he take over a building that already existed or does he have one built like if he takes one over that already existed now you got to you got to remodel it before you open it so now you got to hire an electrician you got to hire a plumber you got to hire three sheet rockers you got to hire a concrete guy you got to hire a general contractor to oversee it all or maybe he builds the thing from scratch in which case you got to hire even more construction people and those jobs don't last forever but you know for months to a year or something, those people all have jobs. And they're all shopping at the local supermarket, so the local supermarket, you know, has to have a worker there to deal with all these construction workers who need to go buy their lunch meat to make their sandwiches. And then now, all those people that work at the hospital, all those construction workers, the restaurant workers, the supermarket workers, they've all got kids. They've all got kids that, you know, if you want a kid to be successful, It's not that easy to make a successful kid, but it's very easy to make an unsuccessful kid. And the way you do that is malnourishment, like not enough food, not good food. So boom, all those people are working and and they have enough money to feed their kids so those kids' brains don't get stunted. So now you got these, you know, kids that are given a chance in life and then they got to go to school. So now that provides jobs for teachers. And, you know, basically could kind of go on and on. But um, long story short, one Nigerian doctor in Manhattan just makes him and his family rich. Whereas one Nigerian doctor, you know, opening a clinic or just working at a clinic, you don't have to be the one that opens it, in Nigeria creates jobs for tons and tons of people and improves the lives of tons and tons of kids. So can something like that happen in America? I mean, the answer, it can and it does. And it's just my belief. I can't prove it. But, um, and, and you're not allowed to research it because you'd be called racist because then it's like, what about non-Jews? But anyways, it's my opinion that just like a Nigerian doctor like creates a whole community of successful people in Nigeria, I think that's what a lot of Jews, a lot of Jews, especially especially in the past, you know, like in the 40s, and I'm sure today, but you know, especially like in the 40s, like just these crazy smart educated Jews came over because of something bad that happened in Europe in the 40s you probably heard of it and for whatever unknown reason it is but Jews are crazy smart and so they came over and they became you know the doctors the lawyers the physicists the uh, you know inventing nuclear energy and also yes the bankers and the uh, Hollywood media moguls and it's my belief that uh, each one of those persons created a bunch of jobs, a bunch of jobs where people could, you know, feed their kids and their kids wouldn't go hungry. And, you know, maybe some of the jobs went to Jews, but, you know, basically the jobs just went to Americans, went to white Americans, black Americans, whatever kind of American was around back in the day and wanted a job. So I think that's one reason why America is so rich is because we got about half the Jews. There's not that many Jews in the world. We got, you know, Israel got maybe about half of them, and America got like the other half. And then you got two uh, super economically successful co- uh, countries. But so I guess back to this thing. It's it's a you know a, a false conspiracy theory that Jews are in control of stuff. Um, it's good that Jews are in control of stuff, but 
they are. I mean, whatever. You know, they they go to Harvard and then they get you know get put in charge of a investment bank, and that's fine. That's just that's just America. It's you know smart, hardworking people rise up to positions of power, and really, it's not a problem. Um, whatever. You know, I don't hate Jews. Obviously, obviously, I don't hate Jews. They're my favorite, but. The idea that Jews are not in positions of power, I guess to put it bluntly, that's false. And then finally, what did they say? They said that basically Tucker Carlson is a effing racist. Well, what is They bring two people on. They bring someone on who's like, Tucker Carlson is a racist who says that white, he that believes that white people are being replaced by brown people and it's all about race. And then they bring on the next person who's like, well, I mean... If you look at what Tucker Carlson said, he never ever said anything that was about race. He was talking about who's going to vote Democrat versus Republican. And then the next person was like, but you know that's really about race, so he's really a racist. And then I think that was the end of the clip. But so, is Tucker Carlson a racist who's talking about white people being replaced by people of color? I mean, if you just listen to NPR, their answer to that is, yes, it's true. No, it's not true. And then, yes, it's true. You know, and even though I listen to NPR every day, uh, I trust them as far as I could throw something that is incredibly heavy that I couldn't even lift. But uh, whatever. You, dear listener, can make up your own mind on that situation. But here's the funny thing. Here's the kind of anti... Just the, whatever, the counterintuitive thing about it. Is that people were... You know, I remember people complain. I don't remember calling it the great replacement. But I I remember people saying... Democrats want open borders because immigrants will come in and vote Democrat. And first off, I think if you just come in, you don't get to vote, right? You're not a citizen, so that never made sense. But let's just let's just say, okay, open borders, they're going to vote Democrat. Well, what's funny about all that is it looks like Hispanics are about to switch and become Republican. I mean, we'll have to see in this, whatever, this November. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens this November. But... First off, I don't think Democrats let in all these people to do that. But all those people did come in, and it looks like the ones who do get to vote, however, they stay here long enough or their kids get to vote or whatever, um, may turn out that they vote Republican. So that'll be funny. I guess then we'll know. I guess we'll, we'll know if Tucker Carlson is really racist when he's like, they're keeping out the Mexicans because they, the Democrats are keeping keeping out people of color because they know those people of color will come in here and vote Republican. So if he doesn't say that, then we'll know it was because they were people of color, not because of the way they voted. Oh, white people. So like I said, there's those three famous white supremacist shootings that we've had in the last 10 years or so. But what about stats? Like who's really killing who? Now, crime stats in America have been completely screwed up lately. The pandemic screwed them up. Whatever. I'm going to do, do a whole thing on how crime stats are screwed up. But anyway, so in 2018, stats were not screwed up. So I went and looked up, uh, you know, murderers by race of perpetrator and victim. And obviously, most, you know, most black people who are murdered are killed by black people. Most white people who are murdered are killed by white people. But you look at on the, you know, the white on black murder and the black on white murder. So blacks kill twice as many whites as whites kill blacks. And that's just that's that's just the raw number. And then if you account for the fact that there's five times as many white people in America 
then if you randomly select a black person and randomly select a white person, that black person is 10 times as likely to be a murderer of white people than the white person is to be a murderer of black people. So black people are 10 times more likely to kill white people. Thousand percent. And I actually bet the stats are crazier now post George Floyd. But anyways, 2018, that's how it used, you know, that was, that was the regular baseline. And the other thing I looked up was uh, Buffalo, New York. Like, you know, what kind of murder rates they got there. Apparently, Buffalo is like, they're not that famous, but they're like Detroit. They're like Baltimore. They are a real shithole city. Basically, they had all sorts of industry that, you know, went overseas. You know, you know, you know the drill. And so I think, I don't know, last year or something, Baltimore had 60 murders. They didn't break it down by race. Um... Anyways, so this guy murdered 10. I mean, that's, it's not like going to make a huge change to the Baltimore murder rate, but it, it, it'll make a pretty big one, a pretty damn big one, really. Did I say Baltimore? Buffalo. So I guess, you know, basically, are white supremacists going around killing black people, and that's what black people should be worried about. I, mean, I don't know if anyone's saying that. That's what NPR is giving the impression of. Well, that would be a false conspiracy theory if you said that or you gave that impression. I mean, thousands of people are murdered each year, obviously, and mass shootings are a very small percentage of it all. And then interracial ones are a fraction of that. And as I've said before, something like 80% of mass shootings are done by black people, and it's just young black men trying to kill other young black men, and then a lot of times kids and old people getting caught in the crossfire. Like this Buffalo one, it, it pushed it out of the news. I think it was like one day later. But they had a mass shooting in Milwaukee because of a basketball game and I think they had to shut down downtown Milwaukee for like two nights because whatever people were shooting each other up too much I guess that's what's crazy so the Milwaukee one I think 17 people got shot but I don't think anyone died so it is it is weird I don't know I'd like to I'd like to read an article on this or whatever but when white people go to do a mass shooting people die I mean I don't I mean, white people are just better at it I don't know I think they do plan it more and then black people are having these mass shootings that are, you know, Chicago will have 10, 10 in a week or something, but not too many people die. They're just, I don't know if they're terrible shots or what. Their hearts are not really in it. So I'll talk about the stats a little bit more. So they don't, they don't break down the stats so that I can tell you exactly what's going on. But basically, when you see, like, white men, well, first off, it's men who commit the murders, right? So I'm just going to, you know, when I say, yeah, it's white men and black men, they're the murderers. But when black men go murder people, I mean, you know, they'll kill, they'll kill some black women too. But what they really murder is other black men. This is just, this is just in comparison. Just in comparison, I guess. I'm not going to go through the numbers too crazy. Anyways, but when white men go to commit some murder, uh, they like to kill white women. Now, it's not more than half. It's not like white men are killing mostly white women. But just compared to other stuff like they really whatever that's who they like to kill more than you know like you know i guess here's the question who do white men kill more than normal the answer is women i think that's because you know white men are not like going out being gangbangers doing drive-bys they are husbands who are killing their ex-wives who are taking away the kids in a custody battle and so here's the thing i don't have the answer to it because I, I can't find the answer to it but i have a feeling that when Blacks kill whites and whites kill blacks. 
I think that's when you have an interracial man-woman relationship and the man kills the woman. So, you know, when whites kill blacks, it's probably whites ki- white men killing black women. And when blacks kill whites, it's black men killing white women. Basically, who they've been dating and have kids and whatever. A lot of emotions are tied up in that stuff and make you want to kill someone. Like, I don't think it's white gangbangers who are hanging out with their black friends and doing drive-bys. I mean, I could be wrong. I wish I, wish, I, wish I could find the stats, but that's, that's just my guess. That's just kind of a fun uh what do we got here what am i doing here racially centralizing making broad statements about people about their race or something something like that whatever saying stuff you're not supposed to say because you're not supposed to talk about race so i was going back through my podcast and i i noticed that i missed something so the great replacement theory according to npr involves immigrants but it also involves interracial marriage Obviously, I and everyone I've ever met in my entire life supports interracial marriage. And, you know, if you tell me the the incredibly rare, uh, you know, neo-Nazi online opposes it, I believe you. I believe that. But the stat that it makes me want to bring up is that the one group, you know, the group, you know, what group supports interracial marriage in America the very, very most? Like, they support it so much, they do it. They, They get into an interracial marriage. You know, okay, I'm going to give you, to the count of four, dear listener, can you guess what kind of person that is? Four, three, two, one. Obviously, it's white women. Because white people ain't racist, and white women aren't racist. Other than being racist against other white people. I don't want to say this about the, the mass shooters who don't kill anyone, you know, shoot 20 people and not a single one of them dies, versus the mass shooters who only shoot 10 but kill all 10. The answer is... One of them spur of the moment, and so that's going to be a handgun. Like, you know, you don't carry a rifle around 24-7 in case someone pisses you off. It's just too big. It's awkward. Whereas the mass shootings where, like, you know, you've been planning on it for weeks and months or whatever, well, then you're only doing it one time, so it's, a, you know, it's convenient, or it's not too inconvenient to carry a rifle that one time. And I like to do target practice sometime. I got rifles. I got handguns. And I'm a welder, so I make myself um, steel targets. Like you don't want to use paper targets because when you you put a hole in a paper target, you can't see it. You gotta like walk up. You gotta walk way up there and see if you actually hit the target. So paper targets suck. So if you know what you're doing, you can make yourself some steel targets that the bullets don't go through. And then when you hit them, it just makes a sound. It's like bing. But here's the point: when I am setting up a steel target to shoot with a rifle. I go way down range. I got this quarry that I go to. I go way into this quarry and set up the target to shoot with a rifle because the rifle is so accurate. And then when I'm using my handgun, I just, I, you know, I set up the target. I put it like 20 feet in front of me, like just barely in front of me. You could throw a rock and hit it. And so that's the answer. Just rifles just make a person incredibly accurate in comparison to handguns. Like unless you really, really practice with handguns, I mean, hell, I have really, really practiced with handguns, and I still can't hit nothing. Just had a thought about the numbers. This is all very rough, using 2018. We're going we're gonna to err on the other side. But uh, this guy killing 10 black people, it was actually 8 black and 2 white, but just say it was 10. It might change the ratio so that instead of your average black, pers- your average black interracial murderer being 10 times more likely to kill a white person... 
then it might take it down to them only being 9.8 times as likely to kill a white person. Twitter handle at anti-woke podcast. And thanks for listening.